This is Stena. Thank you for tuning in to the Identity in Me podcast, where identity is covered broadly. In this episode, I'm joined by a former classmate at Clark University, who's now an entrepreneur and founder of La NRC. She's the founder and refers to herself as a facilitator of knowledge. This is the first part of our conversation, and I have a strong feeling that you'll be captivated by it. All right. I am here with a gem from the past, Natalia Ronceria Ceballos. I used to love saying her name when we worked together way back in the day at the general store on campus at Clark University. We were classmates there, graduated together in the class of 2003. Um, I have not seen Natalia since graduation, but thank God for social media. Um, because social media allowed us to reconnect. I think the first place I found her on social media was LinkedIn. And then on Instagram, if anybody ever wants to try to find me on Instagram, good luck. Thought I was going to give you all my handle. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> Natalia, how you doing? Hello, Adley. Good. Thank you so much for having me. This is This is exciting. Thank you for joining me. And by the way, I go by Stena on the podcast. My apologies, Stena. No, no, no apology needed. People make that mistake of referring to me by my first name, but I go by my middle name on the podcast. And that's Stena, in case anybody wanted to uh, hear that again, because it sounds like Santa if you say it too fast. Um, Got it. And, and, and when we were in college, do you remember that song, the number one stunner? Number one stunner. Anyway, so I'm the number one Stena. I'm the only Stena I know. Got it. Okay, yeah, that's a unique name. I've never heard that before. Thank you. Thank you. And now you go by Natalia Ronceria Ceballos. Is Ronceria your middle name or is it part of your first name? Uh, actually, Ronceria Ceballos is my last name. Both are my last name uh, because it's common, uh, especially still in South America. I'm originally from Colombia. Uh, for the last name to be a combination of the, uh, you take one of the names from your father's side and one from your mother's and then put them together and that's your last name. So if I had a middle name, I would have like four. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> middle name. So, yeah. And I noticed there's no hyphen or dash between your names. No. Usually I see a dash in the last names. Why isn't there a dash in yours? Again, actually, that's that's kind of a, a practice here I found in the U.S. Um, or to link like if you get married and you want to link a name in that way or something along those lines. But traditionally, again, especially through Central South America, um, most countries, you don't hyphenate the two last names. It's just common practice. Like it shows that, frankly, you have a mom and dad. <laughs> mm, OK. Like, Oh, and that was a big deal uh, for a very long time. Um, and so it's just, that's just the tradition. Um, Understood. Okay. And now um, I'm wondering, I, I noted that you were uh, pleased with my pronunciation of your name. Mm -hmm. uh, you gave me an, an approving nod. Um, do people butcher your name? And when they do, or if they do, do you stop with them? and demand Natalia Ronceria Ceballos? Or do you let them get away with it? Uh, that's, a, that's a great question. I kind of, I'm a little bit in the middle. I, I prefer, I mean, it's wonderful if 
someone can really say it as it's meant to be said, but I also know it's a mouthful and and all of that. So if someone really butchers it, like I I don't respond well to Natalie, for example, love it on someone else, not on me. So I will not respond to that. And I've had, oh God, all through grade school, Natalia Roncheria Cavallos. (laughs) Hold on, say that again. Natalia Roncheria Cavallos. And I mean, like, those are the moments where I kind of just was like, Oh, yeah, I'm here. Like, <laughs> you know, like, I don't know how to fight this. But I do a lot of times, like, when I say my name, I'll, I'll say it how I say it, and then I'll, I'll say it without the accent. So I'll be like, Natalia or Natalia Ronceria Ceballos. And they're like, oh, okay. And I'm like, that's good. That works. Um, it just kind of depends. I don't know. Definitely as I've gotten older, I'll say that. As I've gotten older, I have more propensity to be like, oh, no, that's not how it's pronounced when I was younger. <laughs> you know, when we're in college, one of the things I remember well about you is um, when you introduced yourself, like, I don't remember the moment that you introduced yourself, but I can hear you saying your name still. And I can tell by the way you said it, that you wanted it to be spit back to you as you said it. So I don't know if you recall us in the general store. I, you know, and you to smile just like that every time I said it. It's like a little tongue twister. You just got to like practice at it, right? This starts rolling off the tongue. I love it. Of course, because, you know, the name, our names are, they're significant, right? And when you, when you even see someone put forth that effort to say it as it's meant to be said, it does mean something. It does, it does strike a chord, like a positive chord. Um, And so, yeah, yeah. That's so funny. Like, Things that you don't know are perceived by others, right? But then now hearing it, I go, yeah, that's, that was pretty accurate. I think that's yeah, yeah, no, it was important to you, and it should be. That's your name. Yeah. Um, what You know, and the interesting thing for me is, um, you know, my name is what it is. I'm not going to say it on the podcast because I generally go by Stena. Mm-hmm. And um, at home, my family calls me Adli. They don't say the H. In, in Haiti, you don't say the H. And yeah. in the United States, as for as long as I can remember, it's like I get the hardly like that that hard H, and I'm like, man, when I'm not home, it's the hard H. When I'm mm-hmm. among family, I mean, even my cousins who were born here in the United States um, don't say the H, um, mm-hmm. and my last name is pronounced differently. So I have it's like having different names in different spaces, um, yeah. and I'm afraid of asking my colleagues to even try oddly, you know. Really? Like, uh, Really? Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm like, it's not going to sound the same. Um, so, so I don't know, maybe everybody. Maybe I'll claim it. Maybe I'll claim it. So judging by your name, I think um, my guests could probably figure out um, already how you might identify, maybe not specifically, but instead of just allowing folks to assume, I will ask you, how do you identify? So I prefer to identify as a Colombian American or Colombiana Americana, though I will accept Latino or Latina or Hispanic um, more so honestly than Latinx or Latine. I like Latine. I hope that picks up more than Latinx. But hold on, hold on. What is Latine? So uh, you're familiar with Latinx, no? Like yes, I am. Yep. So Latinx really has blown up in the mainstream in terms of academia, uh, philanthropy, 
whatever sector, picking it up and using it in their messaging to be this gender neutral, sort of more progressive, or as we were talking about earlier, like woke kind of term to be more inclusive um, for this huge diverse community that we try to put under the umbrella of Latino or Hispanic. The issue with it though, is it doesn't resonate in Spanish language and it doesn't actually, um, some of the most recent studies that have actually come out, it really is a very niche kind of, I shouldn't say kind of, it's a very niche group that really identifies with Latinx who also identify as Latino, right? Not of those who are not of that community saying, you know, trying to use a term. So Latine using the E instead of the O, which is masculine or the A, which is supposed to be feminine. So Latina or Latino, Latine as a, the same kind of concept as a more gender neutral sort of progressive all encompassing term. But with the E, it resonates in Spanish language. Now there are purists of Spanish language who go, that's not a thing. Like that's not a word. It doesn't exist. It's not grammatically correct. But when you look actually at a lot of drag circles, so a lot of like um, Spanish speaking sort of niche pockets of communities, and again, especially in like the drag communities and stuff, the E has been added as that sort of general neutral term for a while now. Um, and it it's, I go like, if we're going to use a term and it's for those that the dominant language is besides English is Spanish there should probably be a term that resonates in Spanish language mm-hmm. <laughs> because Latinx is just very U.S. or I would say English speaking. Like, it's like an English speaking yeah. word. It's not Spanish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow, that'd be an interesting perspective yeah. to bring here to, to my school and, and circles that I'm in because folks getting their feelings over Latino versus Latinx. And I remember I wanted to organize a panel and have different people come and talk about Latino versus Latinx. And it was like, no, 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 Latinx, gender neutral, Latinx. And I'm like, all right, I will just move in that direction. I'm not trying to run afoul of anybody. Um, And interestingly, before I got to where I work now, um, I remember seeing the term Latinx and I thought it was Latinx. (laughs) So I'm like, yo, the Latinx. And somebody was like, what? I was like, the Latinx. I like, love no, Latinx. I'm like, oh, okay, my fault. Because, <laughs> like, when you look at it, there's no hyphen to say, like, take a break between Latin and X. So I was nope. like, all right, Latinx. That actually makes sense to me, like, the fact that you would read it as such, right? So, yeah, it's one of, like, I get the, I get the genesis of it. I understand the the overarching kind of rationale for wanting to use it. Um, And especially in the era that we're in, I think that's why so many jump so quickly to add it to their messaging, to try to seem more plugged in or again, more progressive or whatever the case is. Um, But this is where I caution, right? The way language evolves and how it went mainstream so quickly when it doesn't actually resonate with Spanish dominant communities. When you ask Spanish dominant communities, like what this word is, they're like, I'm not that. Like overwhelmingly, it's literally like 3% of, of those that identify as Latino understand what Latinx is. And of those that I identify as such, they're usually U.S. born, English speaking, 20 something females. Wow. Yeah. So hold on. So you're telling me if I come upon 
you know what? I'm not even going to ask the question because then I'm asking you to be a representative for like an entire, you know, group of folks. Um, I, give to you, say, I give you what I, my perception of things. <laughs> I mean, so I get where you're coming no. from, um, but I, I think I'm going to err on the side of not asking you to say sure. definitively how a massive group of people feel about a term. But like your point is well taken. Yeah, and that's um, recent studies kind of, you know, I go, there's so many layers to it. But anyway, I if you ever do that panel, let me know, because I this is a this is a conversation I have on a very regular basis yeah. with nonprofits, with corporations, with small businesses, with individuals. Um, and there is no silver bullet answer to it. Um but it is a really important dialogue to continue to have, I think. So anyway, if you ever get to do that panel, I would. Yeah, oh, I will reach out for sure. And now in this Zoom world, it's easier to bring people in. Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, we didn't think about teleconferencing in the way that we do now. So, yes, I will be certainly reaching out if we do that. Um, so I don't have a Ph.D. Um, and I'm just about done with my master's degree. I'm about to wrap that up finally. Um, I was fighting the power for a long time. I was like, I'm going to get as far as I can get professionally and do some big things without the masters. I'm not going to keep forking over money to folks um, when I could go to Barnes and Noble and learn about life in the world in different ways. And then I like my, my head is banging hard against the ceiling. And so I'm like, yep, got to get the master's degree. I gave in. So anyway, this is a long intro to say that. You know, I, I find that unless you have letters behind your name, people don't listen to you. And so I think Latinx came out of frustration about, about gender roles, about the culture being male dominant in some ways and not changing fast enough. And so the response to that, in, in my mind, is... Um, a group of activists came together and said, you know what, we are going to forcibly challenge you or force you to change the way in which you think about um, dynamics between men and women and gender in general. Do you follow where I'm coming from with that? From what I know of like the origins of that term, it definitely did come from a small uh, or a smaller group of individuals, to your point, more in that activist space in the LGBTQIA plus space. Um, I think, yes, that there's this desire for, oh God, there's so much nuance, right? Like, cause there's, there's not really Latino culture. That's a whole other conversation too. We say that here a lot or that's used loosely, yeah. but I always question that too. What is that, right? But there are, there are some, things that I guess you could say are trends or common sort of shared elements amongst the various cultures throughout Central and South America. One of those, to your point, is there is a lot of sort of this machista, right, um, type of, God, we have the patriarchy here too, right? It is very patriarchal as well. And so um, very classist still, you know, uh, all of these things. But where I'm going is, yes, I do think it was response for wanting a term that is more inclusive, but it still was, it's not as though this term manifested in Mexico or in Argentina or in Chile and came across into the United States. 
it's still very much a U.S. and English-centric term. And when I say English, I mean by language, right? The English language-centric term. So that, that to me is significant as well. Where was the genesis of this term? This was born here um, in a very unique kind of space. Um, I, again, all four the intention around it. And I think, yes, that's why I, I say I gravitate though towards a term that resonates also in Spanish language. And I go, you know, that we need to make progress in, in, in that language as well. Um, you know, I don't think we'll ever have full agreement to tell you the truth about any term that can encapsulate this huge, this huge swath of people. Um, but but yeah, um, I guess what I'm trying to say, or I'm trying to pick my words in a way that it's just, it's not that it's an incorrect term or anything along those lines, but I think it needs to be acknowledged that it isn't the new silver bullet blanket term that encapsulates everyone, again, who might identify as Latino, Hispanic, Latinx. So yeah, so I just think that has to be taken into consideration. That's why I say any institution, any entity that is going to use that as, as their term, I go, okay, be very clear about the why and mm. very clear if that's really the target market for you. Yeah, but where we are with communication, man, like, so I could see a person saying, you know, I prefer Latino. And then, uh, yeah. Uh, a, a person who wants Latinx to be used says, no, I insist on Latinx. And it's like, okay, I'm not going to ask you why I'm not going to press because doing so may be offensive. Not at the, maybe at the individual level, but at an institutional level, absolutely. You should be clear. I think an institution of any sorts, if you're going to use in your messaging, if you're going to say, we're talking to Latinx and Latinx is the word, it's the same as why do you use African-American in, in versus black? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which one are you going to choose? Folks aren't, folks aren't clear about that at all. I am a big believer that African-American is an ethnicity. I don't uh -huh. believe it's a racial term. And mm -hmm. there are many others who say it's a race. Mm -hmm. uh, and I'm like, I identify as um, Black racially and yeah. Haitian ethnically. And African-American is a particular experience here in the United States. And it's so I can go. Yeah, go ahead. Yes. No, I'm agreeing. I agree. Yes. Keep going. No, but then I, I will get scholars to disagree with me and say, no, African-American is a race. So I don't have the receipts. I don't have the letters behind my name. So I'm just <laughs> like, all right, you do you. But in my private circles, when people ask me, I'm going to tell them I think African-American is an ethnic term. Mm -hmm. All right. So we're talking about language here. And I remember in college, you were um, like, I think it was Giselle. Do you remember Giselle Ruiz? Oh, actually, my bad. We are still connected. I haven't, like, we definitely used to see each other a lot more often. We haven't seen each other in a few years, but yes, I'm still connected to Giselle. I remember moments where, whether it was at the general store or at a party we were at together, you and Giselle spoke to each other exclusively in Spanish. Mm -hmm. And you did it with this joy. I noted that. It's like there's this joy right now in like communicating in Spanish for you in this moment. Mm -hmm. And I, I noted that because that's how I felt when I had the ability 
to speak Creole to people on campus who understood because it connected me to, to home. And so this is a lead into a question about your college experience in general. So being Colombian American from the Southwest, you came up to Clark University, a predominantly white institution. What are some ways in which you sought to bring home with you? In those moments when you're speaking Spanish to Giselle, was that you staking your claim in the ground? Like, you know, I need this right now. This is self-care. I'm good with English in this moment. Interesting. I don't think it was that conscious in that way, but when you when you presented this question to me actually before, it 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 made me stop actually really and think because I do not. I think a lot about my high school experience and I talk a lot about my high school experience still. I rarely, if ever, think about my college experience because the fifth year, like, so first year of college for me at Clark was like fifth year of high school because I did go to a boarding school for high school. So I remember having this expectation that there's going to be this huge difference. And I was going East coast. I I went to boarding school in Colorado. So still sort of in this area, right. Of the world more in the Western area. And so I was like, Oh, my first time living on the East coast, I thought it was going to be this radical difference. And I was so ready for that. And I was so, you know, kind of done with my experience from high school. And then I, I got there and I was like, well, this is a first for a lot of other people, but for me, this is kind of like, I've done the dorm living, I've done the whatever. And to your point, high school for me was that culture shock. And also that shock of being now suddenly one of the only, if not the only person who identified as Latino and a brown Latino at that. Cause you know, Latino, I mean, Hispanic, you can be any race, um, but I present as a brown. Yeah, <laughs> And so that's how, you know, the world interacts with me, I guess, initially. But Hold on. I, I got to jump in real quick. I'm so sorry. No, go it's ahead. It's so interesting for me to hear you say that you um, see yourself as a brown passing Latino, because I've spoken to other La- Latinos and Latinas who mm-hmm. have a, a, the same sort of um, skin complexion as you who say that they're white passing. Yeah. And I'm like. Yeah. I don't want to break the news. <laughs> I'm like, I knew off rip that you were not white, but if you feel more comfortable, um, but, so but where did that come from? But the U.S. Census until this past year has forced us, even if my complexion, what do I pick? White. Thanks for tuning in to the first part of our conversation. The second episode will be posted soon. Identity and me.